you get off the golf course today, you could have some moments that will change the course of your life. Hello and welcome to the Golf Practice Podcast. My name is Andy Hayes. With me for you know the third time in a couple of weeks, Peter Donahue. Andy, this is un- unprecedented. Well, when you got something to say, you got to say it. You know that when you don't have something to say, we just take breaks roll. for a month. And <laughs> you know it's not very kind to the listeners, but I think it's kind in a different way in that they always get something good. Exactly. Yeah. No, you don't want to. So, what do you got to say? Well, there's. Well, I mean. There's pod, there's podcasts today, you know, covering, you know, think of all the hours on Chicago radio covering the Bears-Vikings game last night, just because they're obligated, you know, yeah. 12 to 9 or right. whatever, 12 to 10. But, but if that were us, we just would take the day off. It's yes. Not worth, it's not worth talking about. No, it's not so, worth talking about. Um, I've got a lot t- of topics to continue from our last few, but, but first... You uh, told me about your golf trip to Florida yeah. over Thanksgiving, and, and you described, you know, the only description you gave me was based on which hand, you know, you were, which side of the ball you were swinging from. So I'm curious if you could uh, share that, share your recap with, with our listeners. Yeah, I, I played uh, well, I played four times in five days, and uh, the fifth day um, I, you know, went and hit some, did some light pitching and stuff like that at the range, which is a lot of fun. I had a great time. But what I, uh, I, what I ended up doing, you know, I went out the first day and I wasn't, I wasn't feeling, uh, I was feeling kind of stiff in my left hip and, and leg. And so I thought, well, I'll, um, I'll take this opportunity and I'll play the odd numbered holes, right-handed and the even numbers hole, even numbers left-handed. And so I did, and it was uh, it was fun. All I really, my ambition was just to knock it along the best I could. But I actually went uh, for a stretch in three, four, and five, where going back and forth, I made two pars, or I made three pars, I should say. And uh, and I ended up for the day making um, five pars and a birdie right-handed, and uh, five pars left-handed. So you know, I played. Yeah. I played uh, eleven holes really, really well, and uh, I had you know, as as we've talked about before, I still you know can make doubles and triples and stuff like that. So my score isn't always anything to write home about, but you know, I mean, I'm starting to measure it more like I measured it for you. Like, hey, I played some good yeah, holes, sure. and so then I played uh, the next day. I played left-handed. Uh, and um, and I was working on some things l- l- on the, that I was using on both swings, and one of them was this feeling of letting the lead wrist or the top hand cup on the backswing, you know, or, sure. or extend as as physios would say, and uh, and then trust myself to deliver it, you know, down into impact with the the face square and not open and the wrist flat, not cupped. And, um, and part, and part of that, I mean, a lot of that came out of the, the discussions and, and that you and I have had and the articles, uh, in the podcast that, you know, uh, that you gave me, like that that one article that you gave me about does your swing have too many moving parts? Well, I had for years been, 
subscribing to a notion that I think Greg Norman forwarded way back when, and that is to make your takeaway something where the club goes back outside your hands and the face doesn't really open or close very much. So in order to do that, literally, you're, you're, you're really kind of reverse rotating and sort of shutting the club. And um, in any event, I uh, to let my hands, uh, my forearms rotate open so that the you know, yeah. the, so that the club really opens and closes, and and giving myself permission that I might there might be a mind that I possess that could intuitively square the club was very freeing for me yeah. and and I found that I was successful and uh, and I'd gone from you know uh feeling as if I was really kind of a feeble athlete um this year to the freedom that that um engendered in me uh permitted me to shift some other things in my swing and suddenly uh I wasn't consistent, but I could be very powerful. I mean, for me, yeah. as powerful left-handed as I was right-handed, which I haven't – I used to be that way, but then for years it hasn't been. So so at any rate, I played that round um, lefty, and, uh, and then the next day I played the round right-handed, and I was really good and um, – surprisingly so you know i think you and i have talked about about uh, some things as i've gotten older um you know i have to hit wood into a lot of holes if i'm going to play a golf yeah. course that's not you know 5600 yards but if it's 63 or 66 i'm hitting wood in a lot of places and not reaching some of the longer sure. four yeah. 430s and 440s and uh and so i um at any rate, I, I hit the ball. Uh, one of the, th the things that I've actually enjoyed about that old age trip is that uh, I, I've gotten very good at hitting woods into greens as, as accurately as I would if I, as in the old days, if I was hitting a mid iron. Hmm. And I, uh, on three holes, using uh, seven wood t uh, on two shots and a five wood on the other, I mean, I absolutely flagged it and was putting for birdies on all those holes and uh, and made one so I was thrilled with that round I thought you know I, I I'd gained some strength back and one of the other things that I liked about it was that I was uh, I seem to be more mature in my mind um, you know I've got a mind that that does scorekeeping all the time and and if yeah. if 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 uh, given my druthers or not my maybe yeah maybe my druthers of playing on my own i'd be thinking about my game for like four hours you know <laughs> projecting it mm. you know thinking yep. ahead oh if i make a par here and i make a birdie there so i decided this time to um do what um to take a a, a kind of a of a comparison from walter hagen and that was that, that they said about Hagen that in between the shots, he let his mind, you know, do, go wherever it wanted to go. Smell the roses, talk politics, talk about any subject at all, and then just focus over the ball. So I decided I wasn't going to fret so much about my scorekeeping mind doing what yeah. it was doing. I just let it do whatever it would do, chew on the bone. And then when I'd get up to the shot, I'd 
take stock of myself from an internal standpoint and take stock of the situation externally and, um, and just bring myself into each and every shot. And I was, uh, I was very successful in that. And I, I never um, sort of scared myself out of stuff. Sure. You know, like, oh, I need to make this putt to keep the string yeah. of pars going or, or, oh, if I miss this putt, then I'll be too over and then yeah. a blah, 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 blah. You know, that, all that kind yeah. of yeah. silly stuff. So I felt um, I felt glad to have lived this long, Andy, to <laughs> be able yeah. to be able to uh, you know be better yeah. at that than I think cool. that I maybe have been a lot of times. Sounds like a great a great trip. Yeah. I, it was yeah, it really was a great trip. In the very last round, I played eleven holes right-handed and uh, felt like I'd run out of gas, and so I played the last seven holes left-handed. <laughs> so I was pretty right. even. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we've been talking about some ideas from Michael Hebron and Sean Foley and, you know, lots of other, including our own ideas, but just about brain, you know, brain compatible golf lessons or learning maybe student centric golf lessons. And so, you know, last time we started with, we had a listener, a listener question from the, the day before. Right. And so now I've got a little bit of a, we're looking back a little bit to last Last week's episode of just uh, got a couple follow-up questions, and then we'll come back to a new a new topic. So, okay. um, one of the things we were talking about, you know, as we were talking about kind of, uh, you know, letting the student, um, empowering the student, letting them kind of lead the way, you know, decision making, things like that. We said, well, but you, you know, you got to know, you still got to know your stuff, right? Like you still got to know your information. You got even regardless of how you teach, you still have to have a background in golf education, right? Which I'm, I'm, uh, when we said that I was 99% sure that you did. And now I'm like 96% sure, but I want to, so I want to throw some, this is, this would be like a, you know, a heretical, you know, stance where they're, they're going <laughs> to come for me. Like they came for the witches. Mm-hmm. If you know, if you suggest that mm-hmm. you're, you know, the information isn't as important as, as you think, but I'm going to, I've got to, Got some ba- backing. Let me hear what you think. Okay, so can't wait to hear. It. Um, there was uh, a few years ago, Michael Lewis, who wrote, wrote Moneyball. He has a podcast called Against the Rules, and he did one about coaching. He did a whole season about coaching, and one of the episodes was about Tim Galway, and he actually had Tim Galway on. He's a really old, you know, old guy at, by that point. And the story that Galway told was that I guess that's what he does. He does coaching in all sorts of fields and all sorts of things kind of later on in his life. And he told a story about how he went to a symphony uh, orchestra and he was asking if anyone, you know, anyone wanted coaching. And so one of the guys with a a tuba, he picked that guy and he asked the guy with the tuba, like how it's going, like what's, what your problems are. And and this guy said, when I get to the the high end of the notes, I, I can't play them as good as I'd, I'd like. And so he, uh, have you know uh Galway was like hey like can you like pay attention like what what happens at what what happens like what do you notice about that and the guy's like well I feel my my tongue it feels drier at that point of the when I'm trying to play these notes and so he's like okay play play by just focusing on you know f- what your tongue feels like while you do it and so the guy you know the guy did it and then he played the piece again and 
he played it and he said he's like the whole you know the symphony gave him a standing ovation that's how good it sounded and he's always like i had no idea it was good or not you know i doesn't he doesn't know what a good sounding tuba is um he's never played you know never played an instrument but he was still able to like coach this person to improve even though he didn't know anything about how to do that task um Another example, uh, this may be not him, but but Shoemaker in on the pod on different story. Uh, Fred Shoemaker says the first time he went to see Tim Galway was for a golf lesson, and he the issue he had was that his fingers came off the club at the top of his backswing. A couple fingers came off, and, and Galway was like, "Well, how do you, how do you know that?" And he's like, "Well, I've seen it on video. Every coach tells me that you know that the fingers come off, but I can't I can't fix it." And so. Um, uh, what Galway said to him was like, well, just hit some shots, like paying attention to those, your fingers at the top of the swing. And, and so Shoemaker did. And he's like, oh, for, well, for the first time ever, I actually felt what was happening. And then he was able to make a change and he never had anything come back again. So that was interesting because that you didn't necessarily have to know anything about golf to help him in that, in that scenario. Mm-hmm. And also Galway in general, uh, you know, he wrote the inner game of golf. He'd tell stories about, trying to break 190 and 80 you know he wasn't he wasn't necessarily like a golf technique expert right he was a tennis no. coach right and so yet he was able to coach kind of at, at a really high level um and then my last i guess i had two more stories so um i mentioned this too earlier of these guys um on instagram there's two short game coaches that are getting lots of attention one is named parker mclaughlin who used to be a tour player um, I, he plays on tour a little bit, but he's kind of coaching now. He's kind of like maybe a modern-day Stan Utley mm-hmm. with just like playing and then starting to help people out. But he teaches a very almost like Steve Stricker-esque approach of like really wide uh, motion with a really shallow angle of attack and is like showing videos of how like, look, you can actually hit the ground before the ball and it'll still like pop up and spin if you have this angle of attack. And then there's another guy named Joe Mayo who – he is Victor Hovland's chipping coach, and Hovland's chipping has gotten a lot better this year, so he's gotten pretty famous from that. But he teaches a very, very steep angle of attack and chipping, like 12 degrees down, um, which to me is is wild. And so they're arguing. They argue back and forth about, like, this way is better, this way is better. You know, it's kind of silly, but people, that's what the Internet is about. And yeah. so, um, but, but the more I thought about it, it's like these guys are teaching literally opposite concepts on how the best way to chip the ball and they're teaching them to tour level players and so like if they're both doing that and both being successful then like how much does the the actual information you're saying like how much does it actually matter right and that's just an example of that occurring i'm sure you could think of people in who teach full swing who say it's better with a more open face at the top and others who say it's you know like you were talking better to you know keep the face more closed right so um Everyone's teaching opposite, like opposite things. So if that's true, then how important is the actual information that they're giving? Oh well, that's no. Uh, how important is the actual information? Well, I think the question that I would answer first is: Can you, um, can you, uh, without knowing? Um, anything about the cause and effect of what happens when a club strikes a ball can you could you teach somebody just through 
uh, asking them questions and opening up general awareness, like what well sure. what do you feel yeah. you know happens, yeah. and uh, and 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 um, you know could someone uh, just find the right right path right path yeah. yeah to use the club effectively well uh i guess what when i made the statement to you or or in, inferred that um you know i think the coach should know have some knowledge i really felt more you know what i mean is more knowledge of cause and effect sure you know yeah, really yeah. you know do they uh, now what what value would it have if the coach had, uh, you know, if the coach has knowledge? I think it's uh, because they can uh, conduct, um, they can conduct good experiments. Sure. You know, and Galway, what what what, what Tim Galway did in terms of like, you know, asking, where do you feel it? Um, you know, sometimes people don't know where they feel it until you ask them to pay attention, and then they say, oh, I feel it right away, or I feel it at my hip, or I feel it at when the transition from backswing to forward swing. And so, um, you know, that kind of, that to me is an experiment sure. in awareness. Uh, and um, and uh, and I think what's useful then is if the instructor... Um, is able to um, kind of evaluate, uh, you know, now that we've stimulated that, what's, what's the effect, what effect does it have? And if that doesn't work, then your knowledge as an instructor would perhaps lead you to, a, you know, an experiment that would be related yeah. to that or that would be, you know, mm -hmm. somewhere where we're, we're still trying to, to yeah. go at it in the same way. You'd just be in the right ballpark. Yeah, you just be yeah. in the right ballpark because you're just trying what you're, you know, <clears throat> I think what you're, you know, it's how you communicate ideas. And if you communicate sure. them by st stimulating the student to discover yeah. them, well, then yeah. that's a pretty good way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose my, I mean, my conclusion would be that, yes, it would be better, in theory, it would be better to, um, you know, know more, have more information, you know, at your disposal or more experience at your disposal than to not have it not have any at all but i think the way information gets talked about today is that like you have to have the exact right information and that it has to be perfect and you have to be able to describe it and use science to describe it and that whoever has the right information that's the person who's the best golf instructor yeah and right. and the more i'm thinking is that it's actually less like yes you need to have some information but you don't you don't need to have all of the information. No. Right? Like think of, co you know, all the time when, you know, over the, over history, like bas in basketball, there's always these coaches who will come up who are big, like X's and O's guys with like revolutionary offenses, but they're really bad at like managing people and organizing mm -hmm. their team. And they end up like flaming out after a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And so it's like they have the information, but it's not all that's required to, you know, help someone to kind of play their best. Definitely. Definitely. Yep. So I had a student yesterday, actually, and I've been one of my biggest takeaways from our conversations was like the idea of like, can you give a golf lesson without ever telling the person the right way to do something? 
So that's been kind of my challenge the past few weeks. I just think it's so fun to uh, just think think about it in that way. And I've been able to, with kids, I'm able to do it well, very well. With adults, I haven't been as good. I'm getting better, but, but it's so tempting to just, when an adult asks a question, to just try to sound sound really smart just give them what they want even though Amen. that might not be the right the, you know the most helpful way to do it but so i asked i asked the student he's a you know 10 11 years 11 year old but good you know he's in all of our stuff just weekly private lessons I was like where you know where do you want to start today and your you know your full swing like what do you want to what club do you want to work on he's like i want to do dry i want to start with driver well what, what's happening with driver he's like it's hitting i'm popping it up too much and i said well do you know do you know why it's popping? You know, what would cause that to pop up too much? And he's like, yes, I'm, I'm coming down too steeply with the driver, which is what his, his kind of tendency has been. Um, and so we did a few, th- I, you know, did a few things. We started out with smaller swings, but I just would ask questions like, is there anything we could do with your shoulder tilts at setup to, that could influence this? And he would, he would come up with the right answer. Is there anything we could do with your weight? shift that could influence this and he would you know he would have the right answer um i even ask a lot of times i will when teaching something for full swing i like to have them do it in like half swings first but this time i asked him i was like hey do you think do you think it would be helpful if we started in half swings to help you feel this out better he's like yeah let's do that and so like he always he always had choice and ended up like got things you know kind of leveled out and hitting more in the center um and so it was helpful for, I knew that like a steep angle of attack with driver could lead to pop, that ball popping up. So like that, that is an example of where like knowing something like that could be beneficial and kind of leading the way. Um, but it wasn't, but that's not a very hard thing to, to learn. You know, you don't have to get into my wrist to wrist angles. No, maybe it is. I no. don't know. What no, 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 yeah. no. But you know, uh, that's why um, you know years ago. I've told you this before. One of the things that galled me growing up was when I'd hear teachers say, "Well, all I all I try to do is make my lesson plan simple and fun." Sure. And and I think to myself, "Well, you must be pretty damn smart." To make yeah. it simple and fun, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, and um, and I think that you're pretty damn smart, you know, to have, um, you know, been able to see your way to doing that, uh, you know, because it takes a while. You know, we all pass through that uh, that place where you're just doling out information and you're doling out your model. So you know, one of the what things you think I think is important is that we. Model, is that what you mean? Like what well, I think is important? Yeah, exactly. What yeah. I think is important or whether you think it should be a steep angle of attack or a shallow sure. angle of attack. If you yeah. believe that one of those is better than the other, then you're going to dictate that. No, yeah. no, what we need to do today is steepen the sure. angle of attack. Not, well, let's try out steep angles and shallow yeah. angles. I started so many lessons that way where it's like, okay, let's let's hit a few shots it's you know see where things are see where we need to go from the from here and it's like oh they're hitting driver all right but it's like angle of attack it's like minus five or six and but they're they're hitting it okay and i will say like oh hey like this this is too much too big of a number we got to work on that and that's again me 
putting my model on that person and they're not as interest they're not interested in that they don't have a sense of why it connects and so maybe a different coach would be like well the student just needs to listen to you better but that's mm-hmm. not how they're going to learn it the best they have to see the connect see understand why to do it i think so i think so unless you can sell them on the experiment hey you want to try something cool yeah. You know, let's make a real steep angle of attack yeah. and let's, you know, and that's the, the, uh, the only other way or that but that's hard to do. To they don't way. understand what angle of attack means. <laughs> you know, they don't yeah. understand what it means. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many times you've told them. It's just a complicated <laughs> topic. Yeah. Um, and, so, and a steep yeah. angle of attack could hit the ball very low. Sure. You know, yeah. it just depends on where that steep angle of attack may contact with the ball. Yeah. You know, if it's below the equator, then it'll go up. But yeah. if it's on or on top yeah. of the equator, it's going down. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's it's uh, when you, um, you know, when you uh, see what happens, when you see how that stimulation plays in the student, that that's that's the other part of knowledge. It's like that you're open enough and expert enough to see when something, you know, is, oh, this really works for them, and it works for a, a good reason. I can, see, yeah. I can see what's happening here. You know, I can um, – I think that, um, you know, when you look at as good a, a, a swinger of the club as Stan Utley is – and as beautiful as he as he is, just athletically, when he does anything he does, I you know I've I've been around a lot of his uh, clinics, yeah. and I can see that when people come in and they have a they have a, a fundamentally different concept in their mind about how to swing the club, like straight back and forth, like arms move the body, and they start trying to incorporate Stan's method of of swinging. Mm-hmm. They are lost, hmm. and Stan himself, you know, he has as a disclaimer. He says, yeah. "Hey, listen, this is the way I learned it. This way works for me. If you've got a way that works better, then stick with your way." Yeah. But, uh, but you know, I would say that when I look at Stan, I, I would say I've never seen anybody look better. Yeah. And yet, um, you know, I, I I've sat through. Uh, clinics uh, where he's had PGA guys and they come away and they say oh well he's teaching a wristy swing and you know and then and, and he's doing this and he's doing that and I think no they just don't get it they don't get what he's doing because um, they've got their model yeah and so um, um, you know so it's like that so I know that um, I know that uh, those ideas, as good as Stan's way is, when he starts, when he starts applying that to some people, they get worse hmm. because sure. it's too foreign. Yeah. It's too it's too, it would it's too developmental, and they just don't have the the time and the inclination. Yeah. And so they would come away from that experience saying. But I have to say, you know, that Stan comes up with, um, you know, continues to learn, and as a for instance, is always coming up with a new experiment. Sure. Hey, try this. Yeah. You know. Yeah, like putting with, you know, wet, uh, hybrids kind of up the yeah. slope with yeah. kind of no follow, and just like popping them off the green with one hand. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, 
finding good ways to communicate. You know, communicate. This stuff. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You said last week that you said we teach putting like a forgery, like yeah. you, know, t- you know, teaching someone to forge their signature. So maybe some of that is coming. Like for a person whose method is so different than the way he would do it, they're trying to copy a method as opposed to maybe gain learn something from it. Right. Um, but on that same that same note, I had a girl in for a lesson yesterday. Eighth grade girl, you know, pretty good, pretty good player. Putting, putting's not her best, just because it's, it's like not very athletic in general. Um, meaning, it's not not tons of like touch, uh, and she has a big kind of mallet putter, and so um, in her setup, legs were let's say legs were bent too much back too much too straight and then kind of get her hands get a little bit high um and she tends to kind of push the putts out to the right how would you go about teaching her to putt in a way that wouldn't feel like a forgery mm-hmm. yeah well you know that's a uh, that's a great question i would say that um i would say that that you know, knocking the ball back and forth, yep. you know, as one would, let's just say if you and I were out on the tennis court and we said, yeah, let's yeah. just knock it back and forth to each other. And so we'd sort of just one hand knocking it, yep. right? Well, I've, that, that tends to be where I'd go because I think just kind of playing catch and, you know, swinging this thing and tapping it along mm-hmm. or raking it along or doing whatever you do and then starting to experiment with uh, tapping, you know. Put and some and, energy into it. Yeah, yeah, let's just, you know, p- yeah, put a little energy into it or, you know, let the wrist, w- the weight of the club play on the wrist and, yeah. you know, tap it like you'd use a hammer and, and maybe even do that. Use it as a sure. hammer so that you can start to feel um, the – the the weight of the club you know dropping mm-hmm. the whole the weight of the club head you know dropping the whole thing when gravity starts to take over so um so just playing catch with your um i usually go to we'll experiment with forehands and backhands just to see which which hand and which sure. way forehand yeah. or backhand yeah. they seem to have the most uh feel with or the most yeah the most tap the yeah. most easy control that yeah. and by easy control i mean that you you actually can feel it getting a, some swinginess to the head mm-hmm. and not just a tense sort yeah. of you know shoving Gosh. so um and i've and i've thought to myself that maybe um well, I, I think the idea of using a wood, that's not a bad idea because th- that's such a big weight. Mm-hmm. and um, Yeah, like you're not going to swing it that fast. Or, no, yeah. and you're going to tend to let the weight do yeah. something right. with it. Uh, so anyway, would, that's yeah, where I you, go. So I guess where I'm coming, it's like, you know, I've had her for lessons. For, she's like a really good student. She goes and practices at home. I have a track man at home. Um, she takes note, like detailed notes after each lesson like, mm-hmm. and then we'll pull them up for her practice. And we've done, uh, it's like, again, there, I told you there's three or four things, you know, quote unquote wrong with her setup 
that we've talked we've talked about before. You know, straighten your legs. Let's get in your eyes more over the ball. Let's get your hands in this spot. <laughs> and it just like keeps going back. To, so it's like, sh- should even though she's got it written down, she's like in theory has practiced it before, but it like keeps going back to this other thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why? You know, should I just keep drilling that into her? Like, oh hey, this is. And I and I've just been thinking since our last talk of like, oh, this would be. Am I like making her into a mold that mm. is not necess- not necessary? Mm-hmm. Even though like the best people in the world do it this way. Yes. Well, yes, I do think uh, I do think so, Andy. I think yeah. that uh, I think that if you walked her, I would be inclined to walk somebody kind of through an obstacle course. You know, where the, let's say they're going to hit, you're going to have them hit 10 putts. Yeah. And some of them they're going to be hitting from um, a kneeling position and, or, mm. and one of them they'd be standing on the, uh, the exercise block that Jansen just yeah. bought, you know, so that now they're really bent yeah. over. Yeah. And, um, and then maybe they'll they'll hit a putt with the weight with their weight uh, on their heels so that their the balls of their foot come off the ground and then maybe mm-hmm. they'll hit a putt with their in the, yeah. the the reverse of that and then maybe one leg and then maybe left handed and then maybe you know with a sledgehammer or then maybe with um, you know uh, with something like Stan does. Um, you know, he'll take, he'll tell you to hit a putt to set up to the putt and he'll lean the shaft a little bit forward and then he'll take the, the palm of his hand, his mm-hmm. fingers, and he'll hold them, uh, about an inch or two beyond yep. where the ball, where, where the shaft would be to hit the ball. And then he sort of angles his palm slightly skyward to sort of match the forward lean of the club. And then he'll have uh, you make a swing and his hand will stop the shaft Mm -hmm. immediately after contact. And so you just start to get the feeling of this stroke tapping into the ball and then stopping and seeing how far the ball will actually roll. Mm -hmm. I think... You know, I I do all of those things to kind of, and maybe even you know, just stepping and hitting to to sort of um, by way of just kind of loosening that person up to the idea of how you would different, you know, set up different approaches, and maybe you'll find one that you like. Would you ever, or or what you you find is what you might find, what you might discover out of it is just some sort of a of a natural rhythm. Mm, You know, you'd love to get them into some sort of just natural touch (coughs) with a swinging tap, right? And if that's just like turning and 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 you know spinning them around and tapping balls um, in different directions, something to take them out of this formal setup yeah. and this rigid rigidity of approach. Mm, yeah. um, I think it's not that you can't go back to something more structured, but it's almost like, you know, if you could get somebody, <laughs> I always thought this when I was growing up before I'd ever been really educated, but I, I always thought that, that probably the greatest uh, democratic yeah. citizen would be somebody that grew up with uh, with uh, authoritarian 
communism. Because okay. then yeah. they'd, they'd be walking into the situation with a mindset in the front of their mind that whatever they did ought to produce a good for the whole. Mm. And now yeah, if they yeah. came in and acted with a, with a greater self-interest, like in a capitalist or a democratic thing, they'd always have in the front of their minds the general welfare instead of like, no, I'm just going to get mine <laughs> and I don't give a damn yeah. about anybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's the same thing here. You know, if you if you come into a, a, a more structured approach from a, from a natural stepping and tapping uh, and rhythmic sure. hitter, uh, then I think you might, you know, have yeah. the best of all possible worlds. But when you start off before you've ever developed any athleticism and you've created a rigid approach, I'm not sure that you many people ever do develop athleticism out of that yeah you know what wow, i'm saying i absolutely do yeah i, I was I, I was wondering where you were going there oh, I'm sorry. for a minute but <laughs> you, you you land you know land, you landed the plane the nicely plane. <laughs> we did a few few loops around the airport um but you you found it i that's one of my favorite favorite pete stories we go from you know communism raised communist to yeah, now to to putting. No, it's that's a great analogy. I will. It makes a lot of sense. So, um, yeah, good. Yeah, thank you. Um, all right, we're finally getting to our main topic of the environment, which we're gonna, which we teased at the end of the last episode, and we'll probably keep talking about. Um, Michael Hebron talks about the environment is the most important thing or one of the most important things in learning that like it's the golf course that tells you what shot you have to hit right you have to go a certain height or a certain direction or a certain shape and that's based on it's based on what the golf course is asking of you um you know on that on that day and so that is he said that the environment's also really important to learning as well to help like make those connections right that just like hitting into a just like hitting into a net with like no feedback, thinking only about your swing would not be the most beneficial way to learn to play golf because there's no, you know, there's no, uh, there's no target. Your body's not orienting to what you're actually doing. It would be like, like learning to play basketball by just like shooting it into like a wall, right. Without like having the actual hoop, which you would, no one would ever do play basketball that way. Um, Right. Right? Yeah, yeah. Or base like would you ever learn baseball? I mean, maybe you would do this, but like you no one that I've ever seen has like practiced base practiced their touch thro- throwing a ball by just like intentionally throwing it a bunch of like like throw it short and then throw it a little longer and then a little longer and a little longer. No, you're just like you're playing catch with the person, right? And right. you like back up right. further and like right. that your your body is like connecting to that in your brain, you're like your whole being is connecting to this this environment and this other person that you're playing catch with. Right. And so um, I guess that's, that's interesting for a few ways. Cause one, we, uh, I mean, just back on the basketball analogy, like no one learns basketball by thinking about the angle in their elbow when mm. they shoot. Right. Mm. We would never cop like Stephen Curry's the best shooter ever. We, no one's trying to like copy his form. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and like all of the best shooters 
they all have slightly different forms. Like South Korea has a kind of a lower launch. There's people who have had it way above their head. There's people who had it off to the side, and it's kind of like been their own their own way of doing it. But but in golf, we seem to like be obsessed with like the perfect form and the perfect way and like perfect right answers. To yes. Do that. Why do you think golf is so different? Because other you know you look at baseball batting stances, you look at pit, the way pitchers throw, um, quarterback. Like, Mahomes throws it different than Rodgers throws it, right? Why why did golf get to this place where we're like so concerned about about the technique really at the expense of of the environment, which is basically like what you're actually trying trying what outcome you're trying to produce? Yeah, you know, I, that's a great question and it is provocative and I don't really I don't know the answer, I suspect, like a lot of things, um, you know, we take a turn. You know, like, like um, they, uh, I'm not, I read in some place where we came out of World War II and we developed a lot of weapons. And we really, uh, like, um, there was a, a chemical company when I was a kid growing up, uh, Better Living through chemistry, right? Okay, that was sure. the, that was the phrase, yeah, and yeah. so so we had a great confidence that chemistry and and science could solve all our problems by like inventing pesticides, chemical yeah. pesticides, and chemical this and chemical that and chemical weapons, and uh, we ended up uh, you know finding out that um, um, you know that these were problems you know that we created problems for ourselves you know by by putting too much stock in this and somehow golf probably because and i'm not going to get the phrase right but uh, in motor learning they distinguish between open-ended you know kind of activities and sort of closed circuit or side but one meaning it's very repetitive like free throw shooting high diving Golf, or something that's always the open-ended being something that's that's so varied, like soccer, where you're always like uh, adapting your kick to something else. And so I think that maybe we just got in 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 our in the evolution of economic uh, culture, you know, going from uh, originally. You know, in any sport, and and the most recent sport that I have that I can think of is uh, snowboarding, Mm -hmm. you know, half piping. Like, there's no, where's the science? It's just being made up as we go along, right? So, and then the second stage is, oh, we're all going to look at the best athletes and we're going to try to imitate them. Mm -hmm. And then the third stage being that science actually gets in and starts to to actually separate, you know, or identify good posture and good motions and measure all of those things. And, uh, you know, the science, every science, um, you know, uh, seems to go through a period of great certitude that's, that's later on found out to be nonsense. Sure. You know, and I think that, um, I think that's kind of where we are. I mean, we're coming out of a period of nonsense that sells – yeah. That appeals to um, you know our humanity, 
you know, I think that that's the, the story of our lifetime is how marketers have figured out how to manipulate us. Yeah. And now we have the Internet, which scares the crap out of us and keeps dragging stuff in front of us once it learns what our tastes are. Mm-hmm. Hey, wouldn't you want to buy this book? You know, people yeah. who watch this TV show, you know, want to watch these. Yeah. And it seems to be very helpful. Wow, yeah. it's very thoughtful of you, Mr. Robot, to <laughs> be, be dragging these things by based yeah. on what you know about me. Yeah. I appreciate your thoughtfulness, but you know, at what point does it become detrimental to your you know, individual health or happiness or, you know, well-being? Well, you know, I think that we sold we sold ourselves a bill of goods in in golf instruction. That that we are seeing, you know, some uh, bright people evolving out of and recognizing that, recognizing the truth to yeah, there are different ways of doing it, yeah. right? And you can see them embodied in these different athletes. Well, now our science helps us to understand better what these differences are, and we can actually uh, discern between style and you know and dynamics. Sure. You know, and uh, but that's where I would say your yeah. and your and my knowledge is applicable. This is style. This is preference. Mm-hmm. This is dynamic. Yeah. yeah. Well, what the science. And maybe this is what the the brain, the people who study the brain, you know, are getting at a little bit. It's what science hasn't done a great job of is saying, like, just because you can understand what a certain movement would reach, it would get you, like, the most optimal results, right? Like, let's just say using using your feet in the right way to get the optimal ground force to be able to create the most speed possible. That, like, just because you know how to do, or, like, you know what that takes doesn't necessarily mean that like a person is going to be able to do that, or even if they can do that, that it would benefit them. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a difference, you know, I think, you know, when you look at how the old timers used to swing, yeah, they would, uh, uh, you know, like Peter Leinenweber here with us, you know, Peter has a swing where he, he, uh, in his backswing, his his weight rolls over his his trail foot and gets to the outside of his foot. Now you would say a judo expert would at that moment put put their finger on him and push him right to the ground. Sure. Right. So there was a period of time where we'd say, "Oh no, you can't do that. Yeah. Pete, you can't play that way." Yeah. But what Pete does by and and what a lot of people do, or what I sort of noticed about myself and the way I turn is that is that you can you can uh, go too far you can you know like Peter does he rolls over the outside of his foot but if he has a rhythm that permits him to drift back to a place where he can fire up his muscular chain which he does very consistently then what's wrong with what he's doing? Sure. You know, are we gonna are we gonna waste our breath getting him to keep his right foot flat on the ground at the top of his backswing, or, or are we gonna because you dare not become structurally unstable at any point in your swing, or will we permit his rhythm and his into and his you know built up intuition about that to take care of business for him? 
Yeah. No, sure. <laughs> you know? That's it. Yeah. Um, so kind of related to this, I been thinking about um I don't know if I talked in the past about like being able to hit uh, draws and fades is a good way to keep your swing in balance, right? Being able to make it go left, make it go right will help you be able to hit it straight. And so if someone's, you know, struggling with a hook, maybe it would be helpful to teach them how to hit fade and then you can go and hit straight from there. Um, the way I, it's probably how I do spend a lot of time in lessons is helping people understand understand ball flight and why the ball goes where it goes. And I do this predominantly by talking about um, club path, face-to-path, attack angle, you know, maybe where it's hitting on the face. These are all things about what the club, what the club is doing, right? And so that I thought that is better than talk about like what the body is doing, right? As a like, let's say we want to have someone hit a draw. I could say, well, let's turn your hips and shoulders more to get your hands deeper, which is going to help the path come in, right? So let's say body. But people say that's the worst way to to do it. Club is better than body. That's something from Adam Young. What about, no one really talks about, like, why don't we just think about what we want the ball to do? Go from there. So for, let's say attack, let's say attack angle. We talk about how uh, Shaylin, my student, was popping the ball up in the air. I knew this because his attack angle was too steep. So we did some things to try to get the club moving more up. What if I just t- had him try to hit the ball higher? Would that have been better? Yeah. Do you think? I do. I, I think that. Uh, I think that. Yes, I think that's a wonderful thought. There are. Uh, there are. I remember thinking to myself uh, uh, that there's four focuses. You know that you can have about yeah. what you want. Sure. You know you can think about the target. As a as a bullseye, yeah. you could think about the tracer mm-hmm. that would be the streamer that would yeah. flow out to that target. You could think about the launch, you know, which to me is yeah. is like, what do you want to do with the ball? Yeah. yeah, you know, or you could, uh, um, or you know, you like you yeah. say, you could think about your body. Yeah, you know yeah. some aspect of your body, yeah. and um, and I think it's, I think as long as as you know, um, as long as as what you do include with your teaching at some point, which means leading the student through sure. experiences that will help them to to understand, is how to use that. Mm. You know, um, because sometimes it. Um, you know these these simple things that you give them yeah. will be um what do I want to say sometimes they're just sort of like um throwing salt over your shoulder or like you know they they're 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 so yeah. like an understanding of it <laughs> of, of how it's affecting them yeah. That they—that's just like having a lucky charm. Sure. Well, I'm now thinking a little more about what I said. And for the student, he was—he had a steep angle of attack with driver, which made him pop the ball up in the air. So, simply telling him to hit higher would have been pretty confusing, because it's already going too high. Yeah. And so, that might not have been the best uh, 
the best coaching in that moment. Maybe it's club needs to be higher off the ground. And maybe. That's, and that's maybe. the club. So maybe there's not like a perfect Well, but what there is it. is, is yeah. you, you stimulating all of those yeah, things. sure. So what would you do if I said hit it higher? Yeah. And then you see what he did. Yeah, yeah. And if he, and if he you know, well, he, if he yeah. changes in the way you want. Yeah. So how are you doing that? Yeah. And how is that different from what you were yeah. doing? Can you do your old thing for mm-hmm. me? And and yeah, you know, yeah, sure. and, and sometimes you you ought to go f- for that. Do you know how you're doing what you're doing? Yeah. Uh, because you know, sometimes they just don't know how they're doing what they're doing. Sure. Yeah, I've started um, like when someone's sli- when someone's slicing or missing to the right. I used to just kind of. Like, all right, let's let's close the fence. Make one go left. I don't care how far left it goes. Now I've started telling them to actually hit it further right before we go left. <laughs> I like that That's one. Cool. So then, because they don't know what they're doing, you know, they're yeah. just swinging. Yeah. And yeah. They don't have any concept of it, and so they actually try to hit it further right. Oh, that's now good. Now that's waking up. Yeah. Oh, like how am I, I doing that? How am I doing that? Oh, that's yeah. great, Andy. Oh, I love that. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. That's fun. I mean, we need to keep having these, you know, these. <laughs> Excuse me, conversations. Yeah, you're darn right. Um, <laughs> that's that's excellent. Um, there you go. Right. See, that's how you get there. It's like because you know what's frustrating for coaches is yeah. is um, and as I told you, you know, when we started the academy and we started this Socratic mm-hmm. notion of you know. Yeah. And we answered questions with other questions. Yeah. Man, people hated that. <laughs> Adults yeah. hated that. Yeah, yeah. You know, because they, they didn't kids, you know, you would be engaged in the game, sure. right? Yeah. Oh well, I think this way. Yeah. No, you know, really? Yeah. Uh um, you know, and in at any rate, adults don't like that. They don't want to give the wrong answer. Right. They don't want to look stupid. They wanna get the the right, right. answer. So sure. so you've got to um you know, do a better job of selling them. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Selling them or just ask asking questions in a better way, or yeah, you know, setting up the task in a more in a better way. And so, that's kind of what I, I guess that's what we're doing. But you know, on the internet or other places, like that's almost where the discussion on golf instruction should should move towards. Is like, how do you ask the best questions? How do you mm-hmm. lead the student in a better way? Mm-hmm. How do you make changes happen faster? Mm-hmm. All of those are. More, more important questions than what information is right. Is it a steep angle of attack or is it a shallow angle of attack and chipping? Mm-hmm. Right? And that's where we're stuck. Mm-hmm. And so we're not asking these other, you know, three or four other questions. I guess like technique is one piece of the pie, but then there's like four or five other pieces of the pie that that are important. And it, without them, you don't have the pie. But we spend all the time talking about one, you know, one, one piece. Yeah. And so that's actually not helping people. And yeah. making it harder for them to learn. You know, as as uh, back one quickly back to Stan, for all the things that Stan can yeah. take you through, just in terms of like feeling different things with the face of the club and, and how your body moves and keep your hands in and turn your hips and this kind of thing. <laughs> he he was watching me one day, and uh, I was uh, trying to help a student who was had an upward scooping. Uh, angle of attack with a chip shot, yeah. which you see sure. predominantly, and I was trying to uh, encourage them to make a more descending attack yeah. angle into the ball. And Stan, 
he came up and he took a, a felt tip pen out of his pocket and he drew a, a dot on the face of the club and he said, hit the ball with this dot. Yeah. And so the student popped it right. <laughs> Right up and he, you know, yeah. applied the dot sure. to the to the underside of the ball, yeah. and the ball popped up in the air. And so here's a guy who um, who has as strong a preference and and is and, a, and is keen an understanding of how he does what he does, and yet you know his um, his successful instruction, and in fact the an instruction that he that he came up with. Uh, searching for a way to convey the the idea to his daughter, mm. and so he was just experimenting with yeah. stuff. He told her, I think, probably, or tried to encourage her uh, in the ways that he'd been raised. Yep. And when that wasn't working, uh, he had the presence of mind to do something that was like went way. exactly yeah. around to what you were <laughs> yeah. talking about. Uh, you know, not the body, not sure. not the club. Yeah, just doing this. Um, cool. All right, Pete. That's all. That's all we got for today. Thank you again. This was a very stimulating conversation. Yes, thank so you, Andy. Adjust it. Um, all right, thanks. We'll talk to you all next time. Before you get off the golf course today, you could have some moments that will change the course of your life.